It's amazing to me having both experienced church as a believer and then having actually taught church history and also Baptist history for a number of years to seminary students that the church is plan A. Because given the opportunity, the church can make really bad decisions. And given the opportunity, the church can do things that are difficult and hard to understand and hard to, to, to engage with. And given the opportunity, because the church is filled with sinners, just like everyone else outside of the church, we have the opportunity and we often seize the opportunity to fail. Because the church becomes one of the greatest evidences of God's grace. The church for over 2,000 years has been impacting the world globally in all regions, even in locations where it's illegal to gather as a church. The church touches and impacts and penetrates that darkness in those cultures and people hear of the hope that's found in Jesus. So with all of our problems, all of our difficulties, all of our mistakes, of all the things we can look at and criticize the church for, God's grace prevails. And the church prevails. And as the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20, he had given his whole life to testifying to the gospel, the good news of God's grace. And the church has given its whole life to that. And today is a beginning point for us. For many of us, this feels like a new era in the life of First Baptist Church, Tomball. As we continue on that same journey that was established 2,000 years ago from Jesus himself, we continue on that journey bringing the message of hope and the message of God's grace to our cultures and to our region and to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our students and, and to our friends and our families. The church stands against the very gates of hell, triumphantly and victorious as God moves through. And in this new era for our church, after 114 years, we move into a new season, a new period of history in which we have the opportunity to relocate the heart of our ministry out of these facilities that have limited us in so many ways and have honestly burdened us down in so many ways into new facilities which will ultimately break down, which will ultimately deteriorate and future generations will have to make decisions just like this church has had to make over the last 25 to 30 years. But it's a new day and God has called this generation, regardless of which generation you're a part of, He's called this generation, us cumulative, to be a part of this relocation and to be a part of this moment. And the title of this series and the title of our capital campaign and everything related to our relocation comes from the fact that many of you at different times talking to us on staff, talking to other leadership, Bible study teachers, deacons, everybody involved in different areas of ministry have said the same thing and had expressed the same sentiment over an extensive period of time. Let's go. 
We've waited. Some thought we would not ever actually see the day, and that has come to fruition under God's timing, which is always essential and much better than our timing. To have this facility relocated in the heart of this ministry, relocated to our property out on Highway 249, where we can expand and not only do all the things we love and do here, worship and and Bible study and teaching and outreach, but expand way beyond that into recreational areas, into open park areas and gathering places for family and outdoor concert venues and all the things that we can do moving into the future and doing the same thing that the church has been doing for 2,000 years, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Every tool any church has or uses is designed for that one singular purpose. We get a broad spectrum of benefits out of being a part of the church, but ultimately everything we do is about helping one person connect in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's how we ended up here because the church is a gathering of those believers and our ministry is geared and focused and the vision is to do that. Just like it was in the beginning. So we're going to go back in time and look at what God did when he established the church. Look at the church that Jesus established. Learn from their early experiences and learn from their early mistakes and learn what it was like in that new era of time and that moment when, when Jesus had come and he had lived and he had taught and, he, and they had experienced him. And then sadly enough, because of our sins, he had experienced an excruciating death through execution and crucifixion. So those sins could find forgiveness and then guaranteed that hope would always be true under any set of circumstances by on the third day raising from the dead and being resurrected and guaranteeing victory over death for him as well as for us. And then Jesus, having spent time with his disciples and having spent time with the people he teached and having spent time verifying he was in fact alive, commissioned the church to go. And then commissioned the church to do so under his power and authority. And the church was birthed. And a new movement began and a new period of history was kicked into place and so as we step into our new place in history we go back and we look at what God has done in the past and who the church is and should be and then we examine how God has moved in our lives and you'll get to hear over the next seven weeks testimonies from people where God has moved significantly in their lives And all of that reflection reminds us of a simple but very real, very very important truth that God is still moving and God is still changing lives. And he's going to continue doing that until Jesus returns. And our goal, our vision is to make it as easy as possible for those who don't know him to meet him and to know him and gather with those of us who do know him. So we look at the first church. 
And over the next seven weeks, we look at the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. And we ask that question, what did God do then? What is God doing now? And what does God want to do in the future? And how does the church be the church? How do we go? If we're going to go and if we are entering into a new period of history for us, where does that take us as we move forward? And so we start in Acts chapter 1. And everything I've just said in many ways is summarized in the very first three verses as Jesus is affirming the reality of his resurrection. And in verse 3, Luke, who is a physician, who's writing very meticulously these historical facts and this historical information says that after Jesus, after he has suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. We have a reason to go. And that reason is that God has changed lives and God continues to change lives. And Jesus is the one who's ultimately in control and he's one who's ultimately in authority. And Jesus is the source of victory. Jesus is the source of hope. Jesus is the source of healing. Jesus is the source of forgiveness. Our reason to go is Jesus. Our reason to exist is Jesus. When German farmers started moving to this region in 1909 and they began to establish groups and gatherings of people who wanted to worship God and they began to meet under a brush arbor, under a a simple branch and stick and wood frame awning that they had built for that Sunday and said, let's establish a new church. It was because Jesus had changed lives by his life and his death and his resurrection and the proofs of that and the evidence of that and the evidence of that new life in those hearts. And throughout the history, throughout the 114-year history of our church, we've seen that reason surface over and over again, not just on building projects, but all the programming, all the activities, everything that has touched and changed people's lives through the power of Christ. We have a reason to go. And we can never forget that reason is Jesus. And we have a power to go. I I love the way Luke records the history in the book of Acts. Right here between verses 4 and 8, he's talking about that transition and they're discussing it. And so typical of a church gathering In verse 6, it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? It seems like a legitimate question. If you don't pay attention to the volumes of teaching where Jesus said, that's really not your problem. The condition of your states, not your problem. The condition of your political atmosphere and environment is not your problem. And once again, one more time, after Jesus has died on the cross and they've all witnessed and saw that excruciating death, after they began to grasp a little bit that that death was the provision for their forgiveness, after Jesus was raised from the grave unexpectedly, even though they had been told repeatedly, even in this moment, it's like, so Lord, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing about our desires, our vision? Jesus answers honestly and says, it is not for you to know 
times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And then here comes the significant statement, and this is what moves us from reason to actually the power and the ability to do what is naturally possible, impossible, but supernaturally probable. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be a witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The reason is Jesus. And don't be surprised when we find out that the power to do what the church is to do is Jesus. This is a transitional period for these early disciples, for these earlier followers of Jesus. And they're told you just need to wait. The Holy Spirit's coming. And the Holy Spirit will give you power. A church that operates outside of and without the power of God is really honestly not a church. It's an organization, just like any other club, any other gathering. What differentiates us to the world and the reason the message of hope in Jesus can be so clearly seen, seen and observed is because it is the power of God working in us. That's why our testimonies are so important and that's why we challenge all of us, every one of us in, in our congregation, in our gathering, we challenge all the time to invite others into a life-changing relationship with Jesus because Jesus changes lives. Where there's brokenness, where there's sin, where there's distress, Jesus can enter into that and heal. No different than he did while he was on earth. He can go to those who are broken and invite them to stand up and go and not sin any longer. Jesus can go to those who are dead and he can go and hold their hand and ask them as little children to rise up and be alive again. Jesus can go to the most confusing and distressful set of circumstances and say, follow me. Your burden is light. I will carry you. Jesus can go to the most insecure and most difficult unknown set of circumstances when we question everything from all the things that are around us to the very nature of who we are. And Jesus can say, you're my child and I hold you in the palm of my hand. I will never let you go. I will never forsake you. A message that has rung out for multiple millenniums throughout scripture. Almost from the time God created us, he's been saying, I've got you. I'll carry you. I'll hold you. Everything about let's go is about the power of God working in us. It's not about our ingenuity. It's not about our creativity. It's not about our reputation. It's, it's not about anything that would bring any kind of recognition to us. It's all about anything that makes it easier to see and experience Jesus. We have a reason to go. It's Jesus. We have a power to go. It's Jesus. And there is a time to go. So let me pause for just a moment and let me share with you as we will in more depth and more detail over the next few weeks, where we're going, what we're doing, how we're doing it, what's taking place, the vision that was established by those who went ahead of us a number of years ago and is now being fulfilled 
as we cross into the new territory and into the new place and into the new facilities, tools that are designed to help people be invited into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Let's listen. Our church has a great history. For over 114 years, we have helped people understand the dynamic of a relationship that changes your life when you meet Jesus as your personal Savior. That relationship with the city of Tomball and this whole entire Northwest Harris County and Montgomery County region began in 1909 as pioneers founded a church that would touch people's lives and provide a home to worship. Now, in 2023, we enter into a new phase and a new window of opportunity as we relocate the heart of our ministry to 32 acres purchased back in 2000, we have the opportunity to build an entire new campus without limitations in order to see people have a place they can call their church home. For us to have a place where we worship and prepare and to go out and to continue inviting others into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, one conversation at a time. The Tomball region is a thriving and exciting place to live these days. Our church has faced significant limitations, restrictions, difficulties, challenges, however you want to describe it. We have faced complexities in these last few decades that have required us to move our home to a new location. The strategic relocation of our ministry to the new property at 249 gives us the opportunity to expand beyond the four acres in which we're limited here to 32 acres. Gives us opportunity to design a facility that has easy ingress and egress for every member of our church. Right now, if you're trying to go from one part of our building and campus to another part, whether you're a young person with young children and you're trying to bring those kids with you, or you're an older adult that needs help or assistance physically, it's almost impossible to cross the multiple roads, especially in adverse weather, deteriorating circumstances. All of these things will be relieved and corrected we're excited about this new day. We're excited to be able to be together where everybody can cross multi-generationally in a facility that makes easy access to all the things we love to do, from Bible study to worship to simply just being together. The Let's Go campaign encompasses a strategy that blends and incorporates all of our values and our mission. Who we are as a church, inviting others into a life-changing relationship. Who we are as a church that's biblically focused believes in authentic relationships, who we are as a church that wants to see our city, our region transformed. We described it in this fashion. There is go deeper. We recognize our personal desire as followers of Christ to live a deeper, more authentic relationship with Jesus and with one another. Our new campus, our new home allows us to have that opportunity to go deeper, to grow in our relationship, and at the same time, invite others into this relationship that has changed our lives so significantly. It goes from going deeper into live intentionally. We live on mission. We live with a passion for what God has done and what God is doing and what God can do in our community. We fulfill that in our mission, who we are as a church from the founding of the Christian church when Jesus said, go therefore into all of the world and make disciples. From that very founding of the Christian church to the founding of our church in 1909 to the, the new day for us, this new window of opportunity in 2023, all of this makes it easy for people to go deeper, to live a life with passion and intentionality, and to reach further, 
It makes it easier for you, it makes it easier for me to invite our friends into a life-changing relationship and then celebrate that relationship gathering together in this place, in our new home. Many of us have been excited and waiting for this moment for quite some time. And the obvious, most logical question right now is, what's next? What do I need to do? First and foremost, continue doing what you already do well. You're an excellent congregation. You're excellent in inviting your friends into a relationship with Jesus. You have conversations every single day. You're a part of activities and things that take place in your neighborhoods, in your residences, across your family, and those gatherings, workplaces, schools. Continue doing what you already do great and tell people how much hope there is in Jesus and how they can know Jesus. And then invite them to a church where they are welcome, where they are accepted, where they can, just like us, grow deeper, learn the passion and vision for Christ and live intentionally and to reach further. Secondly, this is the window in which we engage. We will ask you to participate financially. This is above and beyond what we normally do for the everyday operations of our church and our ministry and the gifts we give to missions literally worldwide, even globally. And so this is the moment we engage. And so we will be praying about and making decisions. We will be asking one another, not us asking you, but all of us together to make a decision, fill out a commitment card, make a pledge and say over the next two years during this project, I plan to give this amount of money. I plan to begin that process now. Many of us have already given gifts. Many of us will give gifts on commitment day. This is the financial moment when we step up and we let God work through us. We participate with him. He gave us the resources and now we get the opportunity to give those resources in a specific way. And thirdly, most importantly, we have gotten to this point and we have seen the health of our church and we have seen the expansion of our church and the touch of our ministry because we humbled ourselves and we have let God move through us. As just as scripture reminds us, never cease praying. This is a spiritual endeavor. It has physical consequences and physical aspects of it. And we get the joy of seeing that and participating in that together. But it is a movement of God and it's a movement of God through us. So most important, pray. Pray now, pray tomorrow, pray every opportunity you get for God to move through this moment and to expand. Just like Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's go. Contemplating that it's a time to go is a difficult contemplation for many of us. It is for me. I, I love in this passage because I feel like I can identify with this. In verse 10, as Jesus is returning back to heaven, it says, while he was going, they were gazing into heaven. And suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Jesus had already told them, you are going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And when you receive that power, you will be witnesses, not just right here in Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, ultimately to the ends of the earth. You will have the power to go forward. Jesus made it clear it was time to go. He excused himself and went back into heaven. And they're just standing there. They're just standing there kind of looking at the clouds. And angels show up to remind them, look, 
The same way he left, he's coming back. Until then, you've got things you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I get that. It's amazing how many times angels have to ask us questions like that. Take the resurrection morning, for instance, that first Sunday morning after Jesus' crucifixion, almost the exact same words. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He is alive, just as he told you. I sense sometimes that angels get a little frustrated with our reluctance to accept what God has made clear to us. But I also get it. I was reminiscing and talking with some new neighbors I just met, but they've been my neighbors the whole time I've been here in Tomball this morning. And as we were, we were visiting, I was going back in my mind to all the decisions we made about our house. And, and I, I clearly remember as we moved into that house, we made some strategic decisions that may not make sense to the normal pattern of things. For one thing, we downsize. The house we sold in Houston, the yard we sold in Houston was much bigger than the yard and the house that we bought here. But we knew. My daughter was already off at college with no anticipation of returning. My son was in his last two years of high school, also with the anticipation to go off to school, no anticipation of returning. So we downsized. We bought a small lot, so there's minimum maintenance, and we bought a, we bought a small house. It doesn't even have a guest bedroom. It has our bedroom, it has Carrie's office, and it has my gaming room. That's, there's, there's no place. There's no place for anybody else. We, we have embraced empty nest full-heartedly. But I remember telling my wife, I said, I know it's small, but let's do this, and then maybe later we can think about and move to a new location um, further north, outside of Harris County, maybe get some space and get some land again. And I remember her telling me, we're not going to move. This will be the house we stay in. Because she had known after nearly 40 years of marriage, I don't like to move. Every house we bought, literally every house we've owned, I've said, this is just for a while. And we stayed there the duration until God moved us again. We were in our last house 17 years. We were just going to be there a couple of years. We've been in this house 14 years. We were just going to be there a couple of years. My wife is much smarter than I am, and you already know that, and you're aware of that. She understood. I don't want to move. So you'll not find it overly surprising if I'm honest enough with you to tell you that all of this scares me. (laughs) All of this makes me really nervous, but I see the practicality. I inherited this vision 14 years ago from those six to ten years before that had studied and researched and and made the decision this is the best future for us and I'm willing to do this I'm willing to risk because I do believe it is the best future I do believe downsizing and being more concise and addressing issues that are relevant to this generation even in terms of facilities is absolutely essential and this moment is the moment to go It's time for me as your leader, it's time for all of us as a congregation in a very real sense to stop gazing at the sky and go do what Jesus has called us to do. We've had no question on that for multiple years, basically the entire time I've been here. Every conversation we've had, every official vote we've ever had has always been unanimous. Everybody believes. And that's why you've been saying to me for years, let's go. Over the next seven weeks, we look at all the commitment and all the things involved in that. 
But the number one commitment is our commitment to go needs to be what we refer to oftentimes in church life as bathed in prayer, covered with prayer. We know this is what God has called us to do. Now it's time to do it. And that'll be, we'll be called on to sacrifice, we'll be called on to make decisions, and we will need to be more than we've ever been a people of prayer. At the end of this section in verse 14, Everybody's regathered. All the disciples are named in verses 12 through 13. Everybody's together, and they're doing one thing as they are anticipating the movement of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14, it says, they were continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers, which is an amazing testimony to the power of the resurrection. That's the same mom and that's the same brothers that wanted Jesus institutionalized earlier in the Gospels. Now they're believers, now they're followers, and they're praying, and they're praying with the disciples. I'm asking you today, and I'm going to ask for other things in the future, but I'm asking today, join with us more than ever and pray. What can seem like an extremely daunting task can actually become fully accomplished and fully achieved and fully the fulfillment of the purpose and vision we feel in a sense that God has called us to if we're praying. Because whatever limitations we have, whatever limitations I have are compensated for in prayer. 